Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 44 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. We thank you for subscribing and sharing the show around. If you have time, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes as it helps our audience grow. And again, we, as always, appreciate anybody that listens and shares the show around. Uh, We've been very pleased with everything because we know there are a lot of podcasts to choose from. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you? I can't complain, man. It's a... you know, pretty pretty good getting all caught up on after the big SummerSlam weekend and finishing up the J, uh, excuse me, the G one, and uh, yeah, I kind of got my big G one finale column up with all the uh, the star rating averages and the uh, the MVP and who should never come back, and all the top matches from the tournament. So it was uh, pretty fucking great. Yano was the MVP, and Tai Chi should never come back. See, here's the thing, dude. I understand the Tai Chi hate, but it's Fale that needs to not come back. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Because I was going to say, Tai Chi at least had a really good match with Ishii. Tai Chi should just sub in against Ishii. Like, whoever is, if they decide to bring back Fale, which they shouldn't do. But just whoever faces Ishii for one night, Tai Chi should, should sub in on that night, but then otherwise not be used. Yeah, he, and the, the Shingo match was good too. But other than that, yeah, it's like Fale though is just like nothing. He sucks. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So yeah, uh, today, Jeremy, we're going to talk uh, King of the Ring. Uh, we're going to break down the uh, participants since there's no brackets. And then we will uh, do a big preview on the New Japan Super J Cup 2019, which uh, looks really cool. I've written a big preview column that's going to run Monday on that. And I'm pretty excited about that. And then we'll close with a little random conversation. So first off, Jeremy, uh, King of the Ring coming back. Were you a fan of the King of the Ring? Yeah, I loved King of the Ring. I mean, I like any type of tournament type thing. It's why I like Best of Super Juniors and and G1 and World Tag League is kind of whatever. But I I like stuff like that and King of the Ring. And we'll talk about Super Jacob. But I, I loved King of the Ring. Growing up, um, Austin was it, Austin wasn't the the first one because that was '96. Uh, unfortunately, Mabel was the the first King of the Ring winner I can remember. I was so disappointed that Shawn Michaels went to a draw with Kama that year. I thought Shawn was like gonna be a shoe in to win that thing, but they they gave it to Mabel. Uh, but yeah, big fan of, of King of the Ring, and I'm I'm glad it's coming back, and I hope that it's a uh, good because they they've got some talent and it's a it's a good way to build somebody first of all you can't expect Shawn michaels to beat the supreme fighting machine jeremy come on that's true i was a big fan of comma and that gimmick i thought it was a pretty sweet gimmick and he had a good look it is it's funny because you you look back on it it's like at the time yeah it was like it was kind of fun and everything and then you look back it's like God, he's a really shitty fake MMA guy. Yeah, it does look it does look really bad when you rewatch that stuff. But you know, in 1995, I was uh, eight years old, I think. So, and I was a, a big fan of like uh, Street Fighter and the the friggin' um, the thing that sponsored Survivor Series, like Karate Fighters, those little Karate Fighters thing. So he looked like straight out of out of that stuff, and I was like, all right, yeah, comma, let's go. 
And as always, thank you for making me feel old since you were eight <laughs> years old during my senior year. Oh, I'm 30 now, so I'm I'm feeling old myself. <laughs> so yeah, King King of the Ring. We go all the way back to 1985 with King of the Ring. Uh, we started Don Morocco, then we had Harley Race, Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase, Tito Santana. Took a year off in 1990, and then in 91 and 93 we had Bret Hart as the winner. Uh, man, I had the 1993 VHS, and I wore the hell out of that son of a bitch. I can't tell you how many times I watched that one. A lot of good matches on that one. Yeah, I just I really liked that event for some reason. Uh, 94 was Owen Hart, and then as you mentioned, 95 was King Mabel. 96 was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Birth of Austin 316. 97 was Triple H. Uh, 1998 was Ken Shamrock, which... Everyone pretty much forgets, even though he beat The Rock, because that was the same show as Mick Foley and The Undertaker and Hell in a Cell in Pittsburgh. Uh, Billy Gunn is the next year, which later got made fun of by Edge <laughs> in a uh, great promo when he said, uh, if, if in two years after I won King of the Ring, I'm in WWF New York and not here, you know, you can basically shoot me. And thankfully, WWF New York didn't stay open, so Edge didn't have a chance to have that happen to him. Kurt Angle was the next winner, then Edge, as we mentioned. Brock Lesnar in 2002, which led to his big push in beating the Rockets SummerSlam. And then we took a hiatus to 2006, uh, Booker T, the old King Booker era, which was one of the best uses of the King gimmick, honestly, because Booker was just great and straight-up character with that. Really good. Uh, skipped the year to 2008, which was William Regal. Skipped the year again to 2010, which was King Sheamus with his wacky antler headdress. And then we skipped all the way to 2015 and had King Bad News Barrett. And then we've been on hiatus again. If you look at that list, like from 96 to 2006, I realize they, they had the hiatus from 2002 to 2006, but basically that 10-year run right there, outside of Billy Gunn, I, Ken Shamrock maybe because it didn't fully elevate him, but everyone else on that list was like elevated into main event status. Uh, fair, maybe not fairly quickly, but some of them were fairly quickly, and certainly by the end of the career, like all those guys were world champions. So you you can really see what that tournament has has done for people over the years. Definitely. So that's a uh, you know a, a lot of storied winners here in our King of the Ring history, and it returned. Excuse me, it returns now on TV. Excuse me, we're going to have the uh, the first round stuff here Monday and Tuesday on Raw and SmackDown. And uh, I believe the semifinals are going to be at the MSG shows when they tape Raw and SmackDown early September, and then the finals at uh, Clash of Champions. So uh, probably good that it's not all confined to TV, but it's a good start on TV. And uh, we have our field of 16, Jeremy. From SmackDown, we have Kevin Owens, Ali, Apollo Crews, Chad Gable, Elias, Andrade, Buddy Murphy, and Shelton Benjamin. By the way, your wish came true. Um, Roman Reigns did not squash Buddy Murphy on SmackDown. They had a hell of a little match. Yeah, that match ruled. So that was that was great to see. Very, very much like the Cedric-Drew um, McIntyre match where the guy that lost, you know, he lost, but he got a lot in, got to look really good. And so I was very happy with that outcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
I thought that match was uh, great, and it was it was great to see that Buddy Murphy got plenty of shine there. And then Roman even put him over on social media afterwards. Roman was very giving in that match. Buddy sold his ass off like that. That was a fantastic television match. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, it was really great to see. And um, and so, someone thought I meant this as an insult, and I didn't. It was just I thought that was Roman's easily his best singles match since he came back. Yeah, I don't know how that's an insult. Like the guy hasn't had a ton of singles matches, at least not in a, a high profile position. And the ones that he like who's he he's faced Drew at WrestleMania, which wasn't that good. Shame. He Shane, which really sucked. He faced Drew on that that Drew match was was good. Um Money in the Bank, was it? That that was a good match. Yeah, but like he he's had like solid to good. Yeah. And yeah, the th- the Buddy Murphy like- match. D- depending on how you rate this was like very good to great and it yeah. was easily better than the Drew match yeah yeah I, I agree um he hasn't had a whole ton but uh the that money in the bank match a little bit underrated maybe because thinking back on it that, there was some good stuff in that and then the but the the clunker against mcintyre at wrestlemania which was to kind of be expected and then really to be expected shane mcmahon and 500 degree weather like yeah Shane looking like he was gonna die any moment so but yeah I mean no it was was really good stuff so I wasn't trying to run Ramadan I was more of a compliment that he was able to step up and you know after a bunch of just bland matches have a really good one that's good because like yeah I think Buddy Murphy's absolutely great but the thing is is how many times have we seen someone great go in there and they have a stinker because the other person doesn't hold up their end so when I'm saying that, I'm complimenting Roman. I thought he worked really hard, and like you said, and I totally agree with, very giving in the match, which was important because you didn't want to just kill Buddy because he was going to lose, and he was going to kind of be made like to look like a geek later with Brian and Rowan. So he had to look really good there, and he did. Yeah, for sure. So we go to Raw. We have The Miz, Rick O'Shea, Cedric Alexander, Samoa Joseph, Drew McIntyre, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and your favorite bartender, Baron Corbin. <laughs> Baron Corbin is back. Let's go. Yeah, I was uh, really enjoying his time off. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that has come to an end. Yeah, um, what can you do? It, it sucks that there's no brackets out because I guess it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown in the finals. At least that's how I'm going to kind of proceed with this preview i don't know if you have the the same idea in mind but it's it's a it's a shame that you know we we aren't gonna or the brackets aren't out just yet yeah um it'll likely end up being raw versus smackdown which is probably the right way to do it i've kind of separated this into two groups of eight which are like the first group are the guys that are there to kind of fill a spot and likely have a good match and then the other group are the guys that have Probably the best chance of moving on to win. So we'll kind of start at the bottom here. Uh, first group, Jeremy. First of all, Chad Gable. Your thoughts on Chadley? I wish Chad Gable would win this whole thing. I agree that he's he's not going to, but um, it'd be a, a good start to really reboot and refresh him and give him a, a big push. But isn't he on 205 Live now? Remember he had that banger against Jack Gallagher? and then He's hasn't... been on 205 Live, but then they have him like – standing backstage and taking notes on SmackDown and doing nothing. Yeah, it's it's weird. 
hopefully, and this is, I, I assume you, um, you're kind of in the, the same wavelength here is Gable's going to be in there to make someone look really good and set them to move forward. Like give Chad Gable 10 minutes against any of these guys. Not, I guess he won't face Corbin. So really any of these guys on SmackDown, maybe not Elias. Ooh, that, ricoch- that ricochet match was uh, rough, but any of the other guys put Chad Gable in there against them. He's going to make them look good. And, uh, you know, everybody wins. Yeah. I love Chad Gable. I hope that they, uh, I hope that they don't do like a bullshit two or three minute match. Give the guys some time. If you're not going to let them move on again, just put guys in a position to succeed. Yes. Buddy Murphy lost to Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Yes. Cedric Alexander lost to Drew McIntyre on raw, but both guys looked really good in their match. Got a lot of time to shine. That's all you need to do with Chad Gable. Just kind of remind people that, Hey, this guy's really good. So, um, yeah, hopefully he gets a chance to do that. I mean, I, I, I'd love it if for some reason they just like booked him in like Buddy Murphy for 15 minutes. But uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. 100% fine with that. Book him for yeah. 30 minutes. That or, or or like Ali. Someone, you know, someone, Sammy, I don't fucking know. Just, just somebody interesting that they can have a good match with. So uh, we'll move on. We got our 24-7 champion, Elias, in competition. Jeremy, Elias is kind of, he's a dude. He uh, kind of is still hanging around Shane. He gets interrupted all the time and doesn't do much in the ring. And when he does, it's not really good, especially after that Ricochet match Monday. Yeah, I don't know how you have a bad match with Ricochet. That that can't be a glowing review for Elias. I don't fully blame him in a sense of he's a bad wrestler. I blame that he's just not wrestling all that often. Um, he's He doesn't seem like he's working a ton of live events. He just it seems like he does his performance. Maybe he has a short match, but he's not doing like anything uh, too too big on the live events. And then he, he rarely wrestles on television. So it, it's tough to stay sharp if you're just not wrestling all the time. I, I think it'd be nice if, because I, I don't, because I'm not a big like Elias fan as a wrestler, I think he's great as a personality and gets a ton of heat and everything. It'd be cool if just like Kevin Owens gave him a stunner and you know, beat him in, in 30 seconds, or if you want to pair him with Owens for like three minutes. But I would be happy to see Owens and Elias in the first round. And that obviously makes sense with their storyline, but then they could also be building towards that as like a semifinal match, which I feel like would be a mistake, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it would make sense, but hope I would I would be fine with the uh, kick wham stunner and done in five seconds. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Buddy Murphy, Jeremy, I'll go to you first. Our 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 man, Buddy Murphy. I I hope he has a good run in this. I'd like to see him in the semifinals. I mean, you're looking at the SmackDown side. He should he should win his first round match. I. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at first round winners for the SmackDown side as Ali, Andrade, Buddy, and Owens. Is that what you're thinking? Probably, yeah. Okay, so but Buddy well should hopefully win a first round match. Like pair him with Apollo Crews. That'd be cool. I think that I mean that'd be a really they, good. They were match. having a, they were having a good match until that DQ finished on the pre-show. Yeah, there so you I go. Would, so I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Yeah, so I think Buddy picks up uh, at least one victory in this tournament, and I'm looking forward to hopefully he gets some time because we saw him on uh, Tuesday, and we know he could go. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd love to see him um, 
I'd love to see him pick up a, a win, definitely. And just, again, uh, giving get like Gable, give him time. Give him time because he proved on Tuesday that he can have really, you know, obviously on 205 Live he was great. We all know that. But he went in there with Roman Reigns, a star and a, you know, a bigger wrestler and everything. And he went in there and had a hell of a match with him. So there's no reason he shouldn't get a, at least a little bit of run or time, at the very least, time to look good. Yeah, definitely. So move on. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, a guy that barely sees TV unless he's just looking awkwardly into a camera. Uh, obviously, Shelton still has some go in his game. He's older now, but I mean, he's just not used on TV a lot. And he's a he's a guy that really at this stage, like if they're not going to use him a lot on TV, he should be on the live events just working with a lot of the younger guys because he's been you know he was with WWE for a long time. He knows the system. Just make the most out of him while you have him if you're going to keep him under contract. Sheldon's a guy who should be like wrestling Elias on these live events to give Elias those reps and keep keep him sharp because that that should be Shelton's role. I'm with you. Just have him. And I think he's done more on live events recently. I feel like he's wrestled Ali a few times. So I, I think that's good. And maybe that that's the first round matchup here is Shelton and Ali. Again, I Shelton is probably losing in this because I've, I've picked my four winners and Shelton was not one of them. So he, much like Gable, is – just in this tournament to to make the the first round guy look good and give him a, a win over a former intercontinental champion. Yeah, Shelton really feels like to me that he's going to kind of for now slip into that uh, gold dust role to where when he is on live events, you know, he is going to he's he's going to work the guys that are up and coming and might need help and stuff like they used to do that with Finley all the time. I mean, they specifically had Finley grooming Bobby Lashley for months before he made TV. Right back in the day, so it's just like that's a great use for Sheldon if he's not going to be a regular TV guy. Because I mean, I'd like for him to have more of a role, but it's just realistically with his age and everything, he's probably not going to be. So I mean, yeah, I hope again, Sheldon's a guy. Give him a little bit of time. He's probably going to have a good match with somebody. And if yeah, like if he has been working with like Ollie on live events, that would be a nice win for Ollie in the first round. Definitely, definitely. Move on to Apollo Crews, another guy who doesn't get a lot of TV time. Um, but he's proved, like, when he had his NXT match recently with Kushida, that obviously Apollo can still go. He's not the most charismatic guy in terms of, like, character work and stuff, but he's really good in the ring. And again, I mean, I'm not saying you need to push Apollo Crews to the moon, but sometimes you just have these bland-ass matches on TV. Put somebody out there that can actually have a good match like him and let him have a good match. Not hard. Apollo Crews was a guy who just got called up from NXT too quickly. Vince saw his look and his athleticism and was like, yep, give me that guy. And then didn't have an idea what to do with him because he really, like he wasn't even established in NXT. He was, he was just a guy who had some, some good matches, but his character work wasn't even like fleshed out. And then he never got a chance to develop that in WWE because he was rarely on television, but we know he can go in the ring. Buddy Murphy and Apollo Crews make, makes plenty of sense to me, but I really like the SmackDown side because outside of Elias, I trust like all these guys to just have a 10-minute match where both guys end up looking really good and the guy who you want to win, assuming it's the, the four that I think will win, are can uh, look even better if they have three of the four opponents that they're going to beat. 
I completely agree. So we'll move on now. Uh, somebody that should uh, hopefully be picking up a win, Ali. Yeah, Ali was one of my four that should win. His promos that don't have enough time to be on SmackDown are really strong on the YouTube page. Ali, I mean, he beat Shinsuke, and then it kind of went nowhere. So you hope that they they give him a little something here and then maybe revisit the Shinsuke thing. But I don't know what they're doing with Shinsuke or that title at this point. But Ali should – he's – yeah, and he's one of my four to at least get a first round victory, and I could I could see him making the semifinals against uh, most likely Kevin Owens. Yeah, and that would work for me because I'm sure they would have a really good match too. So, uh, continue on with this group of guys that are here to probably have really good matches and likely not win. Samuel Zayn. Poor Sammy. I hope he's given a chance to have a good match, and he's not just beaten thirty seconds because that would suck. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much his fate on Raw when Joe just choked him. I was like, I keep watching. I have no fucking clue what they're doing with Sami Zayn. No, I don't either. It's His character work is really strong, but you've got to give that guy wins at some point. Otherwise, he's just kind of a guy who pops off and just keeps losing, and like that's no good. You... He's got to have some type of credibility when he's like popping off and everything. Otherwise, the wins just don't mean anything when you beat those guys. It's like, all right, this guy talks a lot of trash, but he always loses. So we don't even care about his trash talk. And the guy who beat him, like, who cares? He, he loses every single match. Uh, it'd be nice if Sammy got a win over. Like, why can't they sacrifice Miz here? Let, let Sammy beat the Miz. Yeah, it it would be nice. I just like I said, I just have absolutely. I I watch this damn show every week, and it's like he cuts really good promos and everything, and his character's interesting, and then he's basically just everybody's bitch. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like there's better use for Sami Zayn. Yeah, and again, this is not push Sami Zayn to the world title. This is just. You have a talented performer that you could be using way better, and you're not. So. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, that is uh, the fate of Sami Zayn right now. I lied, by the way. I technically have like three groups of guys. I have two groups <laughs> of six, and I have this like middle ground pack of two. Uh, okay. Middle ground pack of two will start with Cedric Alexander, because Cedric is a guy they've kind of teased pushing a little bit. Obviously has really good matches, did beat Drew McIntyre one week. So in theory, I could see him picking up a first round win. I feel he's more likely there just to make somebody look good, but it's not out of the question that he moves on. This is when a bracket would be helpful because if Cedric is paired against Corbin, Cesaro, Zane, and possibly McIntyre, I could see them giving Cedric that, that win back there then I, I would feel comfortable with, with him winning. But if he's up against like Samoa Joe, then I'm thinking Joe is going to win. Cedric is, like I'm trying to look at my four from Raw. I think Cedric, Drew, Ricochet, and Joe are the four that make it out of the first round for me. And the only, but Cedric is potentially that iffy one because I don't know if they want to have Miz lose in the first round, even though I would, but we, we know they're, they're high on Miz for, for obvious reasons, but I, I'm going with my four of, of Cedric drew ricochet and, and Joe to advance from raw. 
And the the second man in this like weird middle group is Cesaro, uh, another guy. Uh, they treat him better than Sammy because he does pick up the occasional win. He does get time to look good, but again, it seems like every time he has momentum, it's like you know, like he was picking up wins, and then it was like, okay, we need to put Aleister Black over and have a good match. So Cesaro gets to call, and I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it's just like. Every time he seems to pick up momentum, something like that happens where he has to stop and put somebody else over. So any momentum he has is kind of stopped, and he's just that weird middle-tier guy. It's a shame because Cesaro rules, and but now he's getting up there in age and everything, and it's probably just never going to happen for this guy, which which sucks because he's awesome. Like The matches are always great. Everyone wants to like knock his character work, but he was doing some really good stuff on uh, the the YouTube channels just as recently as like a month or two ago before the Alistair Black stuff where he was basically doing like the, the Greg Popovich, Russell Westbrook gimmick of doing like one question or one word answers with uh, Kathy Kelly or whoever was trying to interview him. And it was like, it was really good. And especially me being a, a basketball fan and getting those kind of references there, I, I thought it was entertaining stuff. And like, but none of that made television and you wouldn't know it unless you just watch the YouTube stuff. And yeah, he would win matches and then he'd lose a bunch of matches and he's just kind of there. He's, he's a guy I could possibly see picking up a victory. Again, a lot depends on the bracket. Like if he's facing Baron Corbin in the first round, I could totally see them giving Cesaro that win. Yeah, see, that that's a hard one because, like, just the way WWE pushes them and everything, uh, you know, we'll start off that next tier, kind of like the top tier of guys that I think have a kind of the best chance to maybe move on and win. Uh, and Baron Corbin's the first guy. I mean, they pushed him for months as a main eventer. And it failed, obviously, but they pushed him for months. They invested a lot of time in him. For some reason, they think he's over as a great heel, and he's going to be back on Raw, and yay. I don't know what to make of Baron Corbin because he hasn't been around for a while, and I don't know what that means. I think Heyman likes him from everything I've read. It sounds like Corbin goes to Heyman a lot for advice, and, and Heyman's typically generous with his advice anyway, but... I I think Corbin looks at Heyman as as some type of a mentor, and so maybe Heyman feels he has to repay a favor there. I am just speculating a little bit on that. But the fact that he hasn't been used in the past month also makes me think, okay, does Heyman really have a spot for this guy? Because... Other, If he did, wouldn't he have him somewhere on the show in the past month, given that he just headlined your, your event before SummerSlam? Oh, I don't know how they feel about Baron Corbin right now, and I think this this tournament will be telling in how they feel. Because if he wins his first-round match, then it's like, all right, yeah, they still view this guy as something. But if he loses in the first round, it might just be like, all right, they finally realize that Baron Corbin isn't really worth getting behind. They can send them the main event with Lacey Evans. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, the only person who watches that show, so he would still haunt you. I know. I'm going to be haunted either way. But yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> I personally have no use for Baron Corbin, which makes me fear that he will go deep in this tournament. It's always possible. It's always possible. Uh, next up, Drew McIntyre, um, a guy that we both like and a guy that seems forever they've been teasing that they're going to give him the big push and get him towards that main event. But – uh. You know, he had to he had to lose to the big dog and uh just kind of stalled out and was in that 
weird heel trio with Lashley and Baron Corbin for a while and just kind of went nowhere and then with Shane's little buddy and yeah, I just uh, wish they would do something solid with Drew and like Cesaro. It's like you can't start and stop constantly. Yeah, eventually have to get behind somebody. And again, this isn't you have to push the guy to the world title. You have to just have some kind of consistency with the booking of a guy to hope that he starts to get over and stay over. Drew is my pick to win this whole thing. And I think if I'm mapping this out and I'm I'm putting Drew McIntyre over, I map this out as he beats Miz in the first round, he beats Cedric in the second round, he beats Ricochet in the semifinals for Raw, and he beats Kevin Owens in the finals. That's how I would map this out for Drew. And he's my pick because I think he can make the the King gimmick work. I think he like they're they're grooming him, and I'm also saying it, it's Drew and Kevin in the finals because you know what that means, Larry. Shane O'Mac. Shane O'Mac's gotta be involved. I, I don't want this to be the the way that uh, it gets mapped out here. I'm simply going by WWE logic based on what I've seen on television for the past however many weeks. Like if I'm Vince McMahon. This is how I'm laying out this tournament. So I apologize if this happens and it comes to fruition. That's more thought, honestly, than I got into it. So I will not knock you for it. And it does make a lot of sense according to WWE logic. Uh, So we will move on with this uh, group of possible uh, winners. Rick O'Shea, former U.S. champion, coming off of the loss to AJ Styles at the last pay-per-view. And unfortunately, a bad match with Elias on Raw. Really feels like he needs a rebound. Um, So I don't think he will win, but I think that kind of like Heyman booking, I could see him getting a really strong run in this to kind of rehab him for a bit. And, you know, maybe eventually, like you said, losing to the guy that wins and then setting him up for a possible program with that person afterwards. Yeah, Ricochet, I I have going to the, the semifinals of this and losing to Drew he could certainly use some some victories. The the AJ feud was good, but I think we both agree that disappointing overall. And then the Elias match really did him no favors. So I could see him getting like Sammy and Joe and then Drew and like those are those will be three good matches for him. Assuming the Sammy match gets time, the the Joe match will, will most likely be good. They had some good matches in the the US title feud and then the the Drew match will be good cuz that should get plenty of time and I mean it, it would be similar to to Drew and Cedric. So, I, I think this will be a, a good rehab for Ricochet. At least I'm hoping it is. Uh, that's what I'm hoping too. Um moving on to someone else with a good possibility for a strong run at the very least, Samoa Joe. Yeah, even though I have him losing in the the second round of, of this thing, it's very possible that that Joe goes further because you can always just put Joe over as this badass like they they did against Sammy, and it sucked that they sacrificed Sammy, but you know that Joe can be that guy. Unfortunately, I think they're caught in between with him right now with this whole does he care about Roman type deal and and that that worries me for his his prospects in this tournament and uh, we'll move on to Kevin Owens someone that uh, you predict might be in the finals with Drew McIntyre 
And again, I'm not totally opposed to that booking. I don't think it's a bad idea. And it would make sense with everything they're doing. Obviously, Owens is uh, really good in the ring. He can talk. So him going deep into this wouldn't be a shocker at all. And honestly, kind of, I hate to say it because I really don't want the Shane stuff to continue on, but him making the finals and getting fucked over by Shane so that Drew can win would make storyline sense as much as I wouldn't like it. Because just because I might think something is bad doesn't automatically, or it's not my taste, doesn't make something bad. Now, it may come off like shit, but it's not a horrible story and concept. It's the it's the uh, deadly game tournament all over again. They're gonna screw Kevin Owens out of this King of the Ring, and yeah, I would figure Kevin Owens gets a good run based on everything they've done with him on television recently, and based on like the pops he's getting and just how hot he is right now. I I would honestly, I'd be stunned if he wasn't in the semifinals, and I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't in the finals yeah and again what you've laid out makes a lot of sense i will not knock it at all uh next to last we will look at the miz miz obviously company man wwe loves him his reality show is doing well and um he's always in line for a push i could see him getting screwed over by dolph ziggler though but um maybe not in the first round but second round but i think that you know, you can't count out The Miz to get a strong push in something like this due to his, his track record with the company and how they view him. A quick note on Owens. It's possible he gets screwed over in the first round. I wouldn't totally rule that out, and that would just throw – that would bust my bracket right away. As far as, far as Miz goes, yeah, well, like you said – because of his positioning in the company and the fact that he does a ton of media, the fact that he's very good with the media, the the reality show, he's he's a very like safe hand and everything. He's well liked by just about everybody. You could never count out the Miz to get some type of run here. I, but he hasn't been portrayed as much of anything as his babyface run. Like his babyface run has sucked. To be completely honest, thanks, Shane. Well, and, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeremy. Everybody told me the Shane feud helped and elevated the Miz. No, the Shane feud killed the Miz. Thank you, I agree. Absolutely, bare. Like I, I don't care about this guy because of the Shane feud, and I like Miz. I, I think his promo work is very good. I, I think he's uh, good in the ring, but that Shane feud just completely killed him. And what has he done? since then like he's been off of pay-per-views he was supposed to wrestle Ziggler but you know they they switched that to Goldberg and he still beat Ziggler but who who cares about beating Dolph Ziggler and now Miz Miz and that's why I don't know if I can trust that he's gonna get any type of a run here because I don't know if they have a plan for him right now I'll tell you what the Miz has done since the Shane feud Maurice okay I was going to say knocked up Maurice. I guess he did that before the Shane feud. Hey, but hey, you know what? Can't knock the Miz on the whole Maurice thing, man. Good for him. Look, the Miz is in many ways in life hitting way above his average. Fuck yeah, I'll kick the coverage, but good for him, dude. You know what? I will say, I, I will not lie. I do watch Miz and Mrs. And those two seem so happy. And he like, he's a good fucking dude. 
I've always heard that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Miz fan from his, his day on the the real world and then the challenge. And he, he did have a history of, of the challenge of like kind of talking down to women. I wouldn't call him like a, a complete like misogynist, but he, he did have like some altercations with women. And granted, he was on the challenge in like the, the 90s or early 2000s. So it was a much different time period. And even those women that he like talked down to, I, I listen to interviews with them nowadays and they're just like gushing over him. They're like, he is the sweetest person. When, I, when WWE is in town, he is calling me and telling me, you know, getting me tickets for my kids and inviting me backstage and stuff. Like you don't really hear a bad word about this guy. Yeah, he, he just seems like a good dude. Like it's to the point that like Christy will come in and watch some of that with me sometimes. And she sat there the other night, and she was like, he seems like a really nice dude, and like he's going to be a good dad. Yeah, he's, uh, again, I'm, I'm very happy for The Miz, mainly because as a challenge mark, I'm like, yeah, that's the greatest show on television. And now the professional or uh, challenge champion is one of the top wrestlers. So I'm very happy for that dude, and it's, it's cool that everyone just seems to like him. I want to be as liked as The Miz when I grow up. Hell yeah, dude. So, and we will close out. Um, this last name is the the person I I personally hope would win because I think him getting a sustained push is long overdue. Andrade, Jeremy. I'm with you on. So I'm picking Drew to win. My hope is like the guy that I'm kind of rooting for, and I think it'd be cool to see win is actually either Andrade or Ali, and I can't quite pick one right now. I think Andrade would be great for this gimmick and with Zelina as his mouthpiece I, I feel he could really really make something out of being king of the ring so I'm with you that I, I hope Andrade is uh, there in the finals and, and even wins this thing I don't see it happening but they're pushing him a little bit more he got the victories over Ray Charlotte's got some influence and maybe can sweet talk Bischoff or something so I wouldn't totally rule out Andrade yeah, I just I'd love to see him finally get a sustained push because he's the guy delivers and everything. But again, it's one of those things that every time you think he's getting momentum, it gets stopped. And I would like absolutely hate to see him lose in the first round after picking up those wins over Ray because they would feel so wasted at that point. Uh, agreed, and that like I have Andrade going. I think Andrade actually makes the the the. F- the semifinals here. So uh, quickly, my, my bracket would be owns Andrade Ali, buddy Murphy, and then owns and Andrade in the semifinals with uh, owns beating Murphy and Andrade beating Ali most likely. So that's how my bracket plays out as I completely made everything up and I probably even screwed things up. Well, close enough, but that's all, (laughs) but no, man, it's just, yeah, I, I would just, I would love to see the guy get a sustained push. And like you said, I think, him and Zelina working the gimmick to, together with like her as the uh, the evil queen kind of running things would work really well. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I'd i be very happy if Andrade won this thing. And then uh, I'm going to play out my, my, my fantasy booking here. Then Charlotte steps up as the real queen to Zelina and we get the Charlotte-Andrade pairing we deserve. There you go. Then Zelina goes and gets Aleister Black out of his room and knocks on his door to kick uh, Andrade's ass. Yes. Let's just bring all these couples on the TV. And it's all just a vehicle for season three of Mixed Max Challenge. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah, that's uh, that's our look at the King of the Ring. It's uh, 
you know, we wanted to talk about it, and it's pretty much all we could do without brackets. We just kind of wanted to break down and talk about who who we want to win, who might have a legit chance to win. And, yeah, definitely a lot of good guys involved, Jeremy. So there is potential. Just uh, we need matches to get some time. And, again, there's no reason for them not to get time, considering we have five hours of TV to do it. All these matches should get time, especially the the quarterfinals and the semifinals. The first round, you're probably going to have to have uh, four matches on that night, plus you know whatever other matches they they have booked. So some of those might be short, but that's when you just do like an owns Elias thirty second thing, and then you give other matches more time, and then the final. Who knows? Because it's going to be on like a fifteen match card for for Clash of Champions. Let's hope not 15 matches. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the King of the Ring preview, Jeremy, and we will, uh, we'll talk about that next week after the matches kick off. We have a, another tournament to talk about, and as we mentioned, Jeremy, we love tournaments. We do love tournaments. And New Japan hitting another tournament this year. We've already done this, the uh, New Japan Cup. We've done the best of the Super Juniors. We just finished the G1, and now we get a three-day tournament in the U.S., The New Japan Pro Wrestling Super J Cup 2019 running August 22nd, 24th, and 25th on the West Coast. A note for everybody that wants to watch, they are not airing live on New Japan World. They will be available later on Video On Demand. Which is super lame. It is. It's fucking lame and I hate it because that's going to complicate my schedule. But I just wanted to make sure that was clear to everybody because people were to go, well, when, when can we watch it? Well, I don't know. I would ten days after it airs, like progress. Uh, that's probably going to be close to it because they're going to have to lay over commentary and everything. So, I would say by September first, it'll probably be available at the latest. That's my hope. But uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping Axis steps up and is like, yeah, we'll air this. Uh, according to all reports, they're not. Yeah, I, I know, but I'm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Access or maybe even Fight or. I don't know. It, should, it, it would just suck if you know we don't get this for another week after it happens. Not that I wouldn't watch it still, but it's a, you know a week after it happens. It, a week in wrestling is a long time, especially considering a week after this tournament happens is the the big all out weekend, and this tournament is an afterthought by that point. Yeah. So hopefully that's not the case. Uh, sooner rather than later would be great. Definitely. Because I don't sleep anyway. I can just review it later. <laughs> Uh, which would which would be fitting. I'd I'd rather review it at like five a.m. because I feel like I was watching real New Japan anyway. So uh, we start off Jeremy big match. Will Osprey number one. Osprey against uh, Amazing Red, which Amazing Red kind of delaying his retirement, coming out of retirement. However you want to look at it, and I mean this is a match Osprey wanted, and I would imagine he's going to go balls out. In this match, in Osprey, I mean, he goes balls out in every match, but even more so given his opponent. And I'm sure he's the he's got to be the favorite in this tournament, given that he's the champion. I would imagine he's making it at least into the semifinals. Yeah, um, obviously uh, he's gonna go deep. Um, yeah, uh, the Will Osprey thing here. He's one thing he's been very vocal about on social media times is matches that he wants. And these have been matches with, like, off-the-grid guys and stuff like that. And then he started posting a lot about how he wanted to face Amazing Red really bad. And Red was uh, 
Red was actually going to work a uh, an Impact one night only type deal on Impact, uh, like on Impact Plus earlier this year, but he was going to retire just uh, due to various injuries and stuff. Uh, if you guys don't know, because I know there are still people who don't know who Amazing Red is, Red was like a early 2000s pioneer on the indie scene, worked with Impact and R- TNA back then and ROH. A uh, ton of innovative stuff, uh, stuff that guys are still doing today. A lot of people thought he was going to be the next Rey Mysterio. And unfortunately for him, the the closest he got was the litany of injuries he stacked up. Uh, bad knees, neck, and everything. And so that's kind of unfortunate. But um, Red was a guy that was extremely popular in the early days. And if this is going to be his last major match... I don't think you can ask for a better match than with Will Ospreay in 2019, Jeremy. Go back and watch some amazing red and low-key stuff. Because their matches were, and they've had matches in, in a bunch of different companies, but their matches were awesome against each other. And yeah, Amazing Red was going to be one of those guys who looked to be that that big next breakout like cruiserweight and because of injuries and booking issues and whatnot it just it never happened but if you if you go back and watch some of his stuff with roh and tna like he could put on some great matches and him and him and loki just had great chemistry so go back and watch that stuff if you're not familiar with amazing red yeah so osprey as we've talked about several several times um having an amazing 2019 he respects the hell out of Red and has desperately wanted this match. Osprey never takes a night off. So you know he is going to give Amazing Red everything he has here to ensure that they have a great match. And again, if this is going to be Red's last major singles match, you can not ask for a better opponent than Osprey right now because, again, Osprey's he's my pick right now for Wrestler of the Year. Had an amazing Best of Super Juniors uh, match quality-wise, an amazing G1 match quality-wise. And just, um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really hoping that um, it's one of those situations, because if Red is finishing up, I want to see that dude go out with a great match. I, I would be shocked if this wasn't a great match, unless Red is just completely deteriorated. But even then, Osprey can work to his strengths and make him look uh very good so i i think this will be a fantastic match and and osprey clearly feeling the heat from ishii after the g1 run and, and needed to be in this super j cup to solidify his standing as the wrestler of the year that's right big tom and uh he intimidates everybody so i mean that yeah <laughs> that's an intimidating motherfucker he is he's so great though um, we're going to talk about him a little later, actually. But uh, next up, we have uh, Show versus Taiji Ishimori. Uh, on paper, looks like a banger. Show is always extra motivated getting to work singles. He is the uh, the one out of Rapungi 3K that most feel is going to be the uh, the future ace of the junior division. Ishimori is finally healthy after getting roughed up in the best of Super Juniors with his uh, neck and shoulder. Looked good on the best Super Junior Finals in the uh, tag or uh, G1 Finals and tag match. Looked just refreshed uh, in a little bit better shape because he was back to working out. Had a lot of time off. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I think it's kind of a... I, I would be fine with either guy winning, but I think Ishimori takes this one. I think... 
I think Ishimori takes us as well. Did Osprey? I told you Osprey's feeling the heat. He's like, I'm going to work this dream match against Amazing Red, and then I'm going to face Show or Ishimori in the second round and just get another guaranteed banger under my belt here. So I, I'm pretty sure Osprey set up this bracket um, because then you look at who he could face in the semifinals, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm, I'm on to you, Will Osprey. I, I see who who set this thing up. Show and Ishimori should be a great match because both guys are, are awesome, and I'm a bigger fan of Yo, but Show is still awesome. And Ishimori, it is good that he he's looking healthier because the the injury certainly slowed him down at the end of uh, Best of Ju- Super Juniors, which was a shame. But looks healthy now, and yeah, looking forward to this match. Yep. Next up, we got TJP getting the call to come into the Super J Cup. Uh, he is going to face LA Dojo Young Lion Clark Connors. Clark Connors is kind of getting the Ren Narita spot here to uh, gain some experience, and then he'll work the undercard stuff after the first night because uh, he's not going to win. Uh, let's just be honest here. But uh, Clark Connors, uh, the good news is he looked really good on the G1 tour, got the work, a bunch of undercard stuff, and that was something that I've said for a long time that the LA Dojo lines really needed because their one holdback is that while they're training with Shibata and you have guys like Goto coming in to visit and work out with them, they're not constantly getting to work those New Japan undercards with a slew of veterans like Tenzon and Kojima and a bunch of guys and Nagata and getting the, the, the reps in and really getting to work. So he got to do that on the G1, looked really good, former Lance Storm trainee, uh, dude's in good shape, works really hard. Probably a good match here with TJP, but uh, TJP moves on. Since Will Ospreay set up this whole tournament, even though they're claiming that Liger is the producer, and I'm sure Romero had a hand in it as well, but I've discovered that it's all Will Ospreay's working. Is Will Ospreay petty enough to have TJ Perkins lose to Clark Connors and then say the guy who won the Cruiserweight Classic could knock it out of the first round of the Super J Cup and lost to a young lion? More importantly, is he petty enough to have Clark Connors win just to prove that he can have a four-star match with him? <laughs> That's also possible. <laughs> He's going to put Clark Connors in the semifinals just so he can work him. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean we're kind of joking about the Osprey thing, but it, like when you look at the bracket, though, you're not wrong. It looks that way. <laughs> uh, I would assume TJP wins here, and I'm excited to see TJP in this match because he was good in the Cruiserweight Classic. He he had some decent matches uh, as the Cruiserweight Champion and on 205 Live, but he just kind of got lost in the shuffle and whatnot. I haven't seen like any of his indie work. I, I don't watch Impact anymore, so I haven't seen his return there. But and Clark Connors, I, he looked good through throughout the the G1 run, and then especially in the on the final night when they they buried my boy Ren Narita. So I this will it won't be like a super big test for TJP against Clark Connors because no one's gonna blame him if this match goes off the rails they'll they'll put more blame on Connors, but if TJP wins like the the second match in in, in round two would certainly be a big spot for him so I'm looking forward to this uh, run for TJP even though I think it only lasts a match or two. This whole tournament I think is a audition for TJP. Because uh, if, yeah. if he does well here, he probably gets booked in the uh, the junior tag tournament, and then that could parlay into a full-time gig for him, which with Shingo moving up to heavyweight, Takahashi not back yet, and Osprey likely moving up full-time eventually, uh, bringing in a TJP to the junior division would not be the worst idea. 
No, no, I agree. Next up, Robert Eagles versus El Fantasma, Jeremy. Looking forward to this one, and this is I feel like the winner of this match will be in the semifinals against Osprey, and this is why Osprey booked this whole thing. He's like, I'm gonna get Sho and Ishimori, and I'm gonna get Eagles and Phantasmo in this thing. Should be fantastic match. Um, the, there's obviously the the history there be between those two. So once again, just another match that that should deliver. Yeah, and again, if you're not deeply following New Japan. The story with this match is that both were members of Bullet Club. Phantasma was the new guy added in during Best of the Super Juniors. And throughout the tour, they started having some issues because Robbie Eagles decided he didn't want to be a total shithead the entire time and win via nefarious means. And this caused drama and strife between him and Phantasma. Ended up with um, basically Eagles getting shunned. And then on the Australia tour, Robbie Eagles attacked him broke away from Bullet Club and joined Chaos, which again goes back deeper because Eagles had matches with Will Ospreay in Australia and Will Ospreay was the guy that wanted him to come into New Japan and then they turned that into storyline to where Will Ospreay wanted him originally to come into Chaos, but he ended up choosing Bullet Club and he broke Willie's heart. So he ended up coming back here, so you have that whole backstory here. Um, yeah, I definitely think this has potential to be great, not only because I like both guys and they're really good, but it also has a great story going into it. It does, and well, I mean, the top half of this bracket is just super strong with matches. I mean, TJP and, and Clark Connors is the one that obviously stands out as not being looking on paper it's certainly the weakest of of these four matches but even that could be surprising because these young line matches just have a way of delivering because they stick to what they know and don't try to overdo things and tjp is a a veteran enough and good enough worker to where he can you know pull something like a three and a half star match out of it so top out of this bracket is just super strong by the way did you see the conor mcgregor story on uh, tmz I wrote about it this morning. Okay. Glad yeah. Connor landed a punch on somebody. Yeah, I was going to say, glad he picked up his first win since 2016, man. I mean. Yeah, he, he's, he, I mean, he's beaten the wall a few times since 2016. Man should Fair definitely enough. be in jail by now. And like this is his third incident. And yeah, he's probably not going to jail again. So It's damn. amazing how money does that. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So we will move on, Jeremy, into tournament. Next up, the true ass man of professional wrestling, Taguchi versus Jonathan Gresham. Love Jonathan Gresham. Not I, I big match Gooch can can arrive. I don't know what's if he's gonna arrive in this tournament. I hope Gresham wins. The the bottom half of this bracket as we'll as we go through it we'll, and we'll talk about it. It's certainly the the weaker half, at least on paper, and I don't really have a good feel for who's going to win this. There's there's obviously one big standout, but Gresham could be a surprising guy here, and maybe they don't do it because of the ROH thing. But this is this is what we talk about with when we talk about like the ROH relationship. Like if I'm ROH and I'm giving them Jonathan Gresham for this thing, I'm saying like this guy needs to pick up a victory and we need our name mentioned because Gresham is one of our kind of guys who's positioned in a top spot and could be doing a big heel turn and and kicking off a big run for him. So 
that's what I'm doing if I'm ROH, but I don't think New Japan really cares what ROH thinks. I think Gresham is going to win. It'll be more interesting to see if he's actually going to get to play up his new heel character here. But it makes sense for him to win because I think the natural match is him and Dragon Lee in the next round because they've worked already in ROH and have a good rapport with each other. So it makes sense to go ahead and book that rematch. I'm for that. That would be fine. Speaking of Dragon Lee, he's next up against your boy, Yo. I hope Yo wins, but Dragon Lee would, on paper, be the favorite on the, the bottom half of this bracket. And this is, once again, Osprey. Osprey's going to work Red, Ishimori, we'll say Phantasmo, and Dragon Lee. And that's like four guaranteed great matches. He's so afraid of Ishii that he booked himself in four guaranteed great matches to just guarantee to prove that he's the best wrestler in the world this this prick just trying to he's just out to out petty seth rollins i'm just kidding will you're one of my favorites i didn't mean to call you a prick next dragon dragon lee should win this yeah i agree definitely uh next up is caristico versus bushi Caristico is the original, is the is Mystico, who was Sin Cara in WWE. Mid-2000s, became a huge star for CMLL, one of the biggest draws in wrestling, and at the time was on pace for what everybody thought was a Hall of Fame career until he signed with WWE, and then everything just kind of went to shit after that. I'm not a big fan of, of Bushi, and I can't say I've seen like a ton of Caristico outside of his WWE stuff, which wasn't like super impressive. Uh, but I don't hold that against them. The match should probably be okay. It, it's not that Bushi is like a bad wrestler. I'm just not the biggest fan in the, in the world of him. And then yeah, Caristico, uh, from the little I have seen, the guy can certainly go. So it, it should be a fine match. Yeah, the best way to describe Bushi is he's good and consistent, but rarely wows you. You yeah, know, that, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, because it's like I never watch a Bushi match. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy sucks or anything. But it's just like sometimes he gets a singles match, and I'm waiting for it to get like really, really good, and it kind of hits good, and then he's like, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We're gonna stop here and just kind of hit cruise control for the rest of this. So I've seen a little more Christico over the last few weeks. I've been uh, watching a little more Lucha as of late and trying to fit it in. Uh, he's been looking really good, and uh, I think the match will be at least good, probably be really competitive. Bushi will try to miss him, but I think Christico wins. The, um, Sure, yeah, Christico can win. Got to have some of the Lucha lads go over, man. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. So, But yeah, and uh, we close out with... Rocky Romero versus Soberano Jr. Soberano Jr., 25-year-old luchador from CMLL. He's made some cameos in ROH and New Japan in the past. He's the grandson of Soberano and the son of Euphoria. Been with CMLL since 2010. He's a dynamic high flyer, but the problem with me is I find him to be really inconsistent. Uh, There's times where he looks spectacular. And then there's times where... He had that, like, ROH live honor club match with Punishment Martinez that completely fell apart and was just bordering on dud. It was just really, really bad. So pairing him with a strong veteran in Rocky Romero makes sense to me and on every level. 
once again with Soberano, I can't say I've seen a ton of his work, so I don't feel super qualified to to give a, a strong opinion on him. But I love Rocky Romero. We saw him in Best of Super Juniors. Like this guy can raise his level when when he wants to, and because he had a hand in in this tournament, be uh, bringing it to America and and helping set up set it up and everything. I would imagine he'll be very motivated to work hard in this in the in the tournament and probably make Soberano look good because maybe I mean you, you said he's inconsistent but th- that means he can have great matches he's only 25 so still room for plenty of improvement there and maybe Romero chose this because one Will Ospreay told him to and two he thought he could you know bring something out of this guy yeah and again I think it just it makes sense so uh yeah, so I'm uh kind of excited for that, um because I I think I thought Rocky had a really strong best Super Junior run. Really enjoyed his tournament, especially because there were so many people shitting on his inclusion. And yeah, and, and I, Romero like he he stepped up. He was great in that tournament. Yeah, and he had one of the most memorable matches too. That match with Phantasma when he picked up the big win in Kirk and Hall. So right. So. Um, so kind of looking at the left side of the bracket, Jeremy, I'm going to run down my left side of the bracket for you, how I see it playing out through the semifinals. Got Will Ospreay over Amazing Red, Ishimori over Show, TJP over Connors, Phantasma over Eagles. Then I have Osprey over Ishimori, TJP over Phantasmo, and then in the semifinal, Will Ospreay over TJP. That makes sense. I, I could see that. I, Osprey is certainly the favorite to come to go to the final on that side of the bracket which almost makes me wonder if they pull something like i don't know show beating osprey and then that sets up maybe even show winning this whole thing and or getting show a title shot somewhere so there's something to play with there with with osprey and the challenges he's gonna go through but he he would still have to be the favorite all right for the right side of the bracket, Jeremy, I'm going, to, I'm going out of the box on this one. All right. I'm taking taking hot takes, bold predictions. <laughs> you will not find these predictions anywhere else. Jonathan Gresham over Taguchi. Dragon Lee over Yo. Caristico over Bushi. Romero over Sobonaro. Dragon Lee over Gresham. Caristico over Rocky Romero. In the semifinals, Caristico over Dragon Lee. In your finals, Caristico over Will Ospreay. All right, you're you're all in on Caristico. I I think they're going to try to book a fresh title match out of this. Yeah, that's why I I could see somebody like Show upsetting Ospreay and winning it. Or Ospreay winning feels so predictable that I don't think they're going to do it. And Caristico would certainly, I mean, that would certainly throw people off. They should put my boy Yo in there, just have him run the table and and win this whole thing. You know the theory that's going to be floated, and I'm going to go ahead and float it. Osprey and Dragon Lee in the final. Whoever wins, Hiromu returns because it's back in California. It's back in San Francisco. Um, or it's back at Walter Pyramid. That, that's where the injury happened, I believe. So... Th- it's going to be out there. What, what do you think? It's possible. I mean, I think that they're... I mean, if that's the final, it would kind of make sense. 
Uh, it would be a big way to bring him back. I kind of think they're going to save the return for Japan, but I would not be shocked. Because the thing is, too, is like, I wouldn't do it there simply for the fact that it's not going to air live. I I completely agree with that. And the fact that you, you re-brought that up because it, it obviously slipped my mind. I don't think you can do Hiromu's return and not air it live. That would be a huge misfire on the part of the company, even though it would make sense being uh, back in San Francisco and everything. But I guess I guess the, the last one wasn't um, – in at Walter Pyramid, but either way, it's California. It's it's all the same state. Uh, I'm not good at geography. It, it would the story would make sense in that sense, but you you have to do that live. It would New Japan can't be that dumb not to put Hiromu's return live. Yeah, and, and like if they change things and the final night ends up airing live, then that theory is in play. But yeah, it's just I, I can't see it happening without it airing live because I can't imagine like. New Japan's Twitter. Hey, Hiromu Takahashi returned tonight and challenged Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Watch it in seven days on New Japan World. Spoiler, big return at New Japan Super J Cup. Find out who in seven days. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of the, that's the uh, Super J Cup preview. I'm going to have a full written preview up on Monday. Uh, full primer, including a, a breakdown of all the uh, people involved in case you don't know who they are. Uh, so that will run Monday. This is our audio preview, obviously, tonight. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to get that out there. Kind of excited for this, Jeremy. I think a lot of possibilities for this. Um, we've t- I mean, this has been the tournament podcast, and there's I think there's plenty of possibilities for, for both tournaments, and there's also predictable possibilities for both tournaments. But that's what makes tournaments fun is – Maybe it's predictable, but it's still good, and maybe they do something creative and outside of the box, and they surprise everybody. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And again, like I don't want to sound like we're like dogging on King of the Ring. Like the King of the Ring has some good guys in it. It's just our. I think I can speak for us both, Jeremy. Our concern is matches getting the amount of time and good booking. Definitely, and with Super J Cup, there's less worry. On that, because you're you're building three nights uh, around this whole thing. So where King of the Ring, like you're building this tournament, but you've also got your tele actual television to worry about, and King of the Ring's not taking precedent over Roman Reigns or t- Seth Rollins. That's right. I'm just letting everybody know if Crisco wins this fucker, I'm taking the biggest victory lap. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, you can all make fun of me like you did for my takeover picks, which were shit. <laughs> I tried. I'm not always right, but I'm not going to sit there and give you the the bargain basement prediction bullcrap. Got to go out on a limb every once in a while. So my takeover, my big prediction sucked for takeover. I said Champa was returning and Banks was returning. I was one night off on Sasha Banks returning, but I reported it first. There you go. Uh, so Jeremy, we're to close up with some some random thoughts on some. Uh, some, uh, I guess, lukewarm poor takes I have seen on social media and the comments. Oh, boy. First up, Jeremy, this one I saw, it enraged me to no end. So did the second one, but this one enraged me. Hiroshi Tanahashi mailed in the G1. Okay. I, I don't understand how anyone watching Hiroshi Tanahashi... This dude... <laughs> Did a hi-fi crossbody, whatever, aces high, whatever they call it, the, the standing crossbody um, 
off the top to the floor and tried to kill himself. And then, yeah, no, Hiroshi Tanahashi worked his ass off on the G1. He just didn't win as much as you're used to. So maybe, maybe that's how they came up with this theory is they're like, he had Sasha Banks face before the, all the matches he he knew he was going to lose. And so he didn't give a full effort, but I don't think you could watch those matches and be like, yeah, Tanahashi decided that he was going half speed on this night. Yeah, I, I found that to be completely ridiculous. Yes, Tom, if you were paying attention to the damn tournament, you would know that, A, he was working a different style because of his various injuries, and he's getting older. Number two, you would also notice that his matches, compared to all the other matches for the most part, were extremely heavy on the storytelling aspect of the in-ring work, as opposed, as opposed to moves. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is place for both in wrestling. And so they were going heavy on that. And number three, they were telling the story after everybody doubted him last year. And then he came back and won the G1 in the title that he had a bad year. A, I guess a sports analogy to a, even though it's not the same, but like kind of like a sophomore slump. You know, last year he had the great freshman year. And this, this year it just, it didn't, he couldn't carry it through again. The ace is aging. He's getting older. He's he's beat up by injuries. Yeah, he didn't have a fucking seven zero and one tournament, or eight zero and one, or whatever seven one and one, whatever it was last year. Anyway, he didn't have fifteen points. He didn't win the block. He still had a bunch of great matches, including what I thought was the best match of the tournament with Osprey. And not only that, you look at what he did in this tournament. The win over Osprey, he put over Osprey so huge, clean as a fucking sheet. And he was still putting in great performances with Ibushi and a bunch of other guys. Now, maybe if you watched the Bad Luck Falle match and you thought that was shitty, well, yeah, it wasn't really good. He mailed that one in because he can usually get something better out of Falle. Yeah, and again, it's Bad Luck Falle. It fucking sucks. But I can't imagine anybody legitimately watched this tournament and thought he mailed it in. And like another one was like, well, the Okada match wasn't all that great. And it's like, okay, yeah, it wasn't like a five-star classic like they've had like eight times before. It was kind of a greatest hits match to get night one out of the way and to give, give Okada a win and to start Tanahashi's downfall story. It was a great match. Yeah, it wasn't an all-time classic. But to claim this man is mailing anything in is just the biggest amount of fucking bullshit I've read in a long time. Until I get to my next topic. <laughs> Anything to add on our ace, Jeremy? No, no. Nothing but love for my ace. That's right. So the only thing that infuriated me even more than fuckers claiming Hiroshi Tanahashi mailed in his G1 are people claiming that Io Shirai carried Candice LeRae to an okay match at TakeOver. And the insinuation that, quote-unquote I read... TakeOver is apparently like the Tokyo Dome now, and you can add two and a half stars to every match. Wasn't, I mean, Meltzer was like down on this TakeOver. Not that you should like, form your opinion based on him, but I, I guess TakeOver is not the Tokyo Dome anymore. The, what infuriated me is him saying that 
uh, Gargano and Cole were just doing moves and the crowd was chanting, this is awesome, but it wasn't awesome. And they were engaged, but it didn't matter because there was no story. Like, isn't that every Young Bucks match? No offense to, to those guys, but like, what was the story in the Young Bucks Lucha Bros match outside of they're doing really sweet moves and people are chanting, this is awesome, but they're just trying to top each other. You could say the same thing about Cole and Gargano. But anyway, that's that's not the topic we're, we're going for here. Candice and Io was great. Candice was not carried. Anyone who has seen her work in like PWG and on the indies knows that she's a really, really good wrestler. This was just the first time that she got to show it in NXT WWE. And, I mean, there, there was no carry job at all. Trish was carried by Charlotte more than Candice was, was carried by Io. Yeah, I just um I I couldn't believe the take. And again, it's it's all opinion. And that's I guess it's fine, but like claiming that like people actually claiming that Candace was bad in the match and that Candace looked lost and that EO had to basically you know lead her by the hand is just just some insane bullshit because I think you can easily argue that EO and Candace was the best match on Takeover. Definitely. The the only match that it was probably my favorite. Like if I'm ever and, and this isn't a knock on goal Cole and Gargano, it, it's more length of time that like investing fifty one minutes into a match takes a lot more than what was Candace and EO, like fifteen, sixteen minutes. Yeah. So like it's it takes a lot more time. It takes fifty one minutes to invest in Cole and Gargano. It takes fifteen to do Candace and EO. Like Candace and EO has a lot more replay value to me because it's still a great, great, great match and it's, you know, one third of, of the time of the, the the Cole and Gargano match. So it was probably my favorite match on on the show, at least the one that just had the most replay value to me. And and this again, anyone who thinks like Candace was carried it feels like a very, and maybe I'm being harsh, but like an amateur take of I've never seen Candice LeRae outside of NXT. What she's done in NXT hasn't impressed me because it's been five-minute TV matches or tag team matches. So how good she can she be if that's all she's doing? And then she has this great match against EO, so it's like, okay, EO deserves all the credit. But if you, one more time, if you've seen Candice on the independent scene – she can work her ass off. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's really weird. And, like, here's the thing. It's like, listen, I love Io Shirai. I think she has been one of the best in the world for years. And if you asked me who I like more, I like Io more than Candace. But I also think that Candace is really great. So, like, like it would be one thing if I was just gushing on Io and, like, claimed that she, like, you know, did everything perfect. <coughs> But, like, that match took two. And like I talked about, Io was a great heel in that match. And, again, you juxtapose that against Candice LeRae's awesome ability to play the underdog babyface fighting from the bottom. And that was just a match that clicked almost perfectly for me. I loved I loved the pace of the match, the intensity of the match, the layout of the match. I thought everybody, just both of them were great in that match. And I love that match. I, I think I gave it the same star rating as Cole and Gargano, but if you pressed me which one I liked more, it was EO and Candice. I thoroughly enjoyed that match. Easily the best women's match on a takeover in a good while. Not that there's been like a bunch of stinkers. But it was nice to see not only a second women's match get on that show, 
but for them to deliver so well. And I don't know if you caught NXT Wednesday, but the uh, the Io Shirai video package they ran was, was fucking amazing. Yeah, it was. Holy shit. The best part is Hannah came in, and I'm watching that video again, and she goes, is Io supposed to be the heel? I said, yeah. She goes, could you tell them to not dress her in tight leather and yell in Japanese? Because that's screaming sexy hot baby face to me. <laughs> she ain't wrong. Yeah, the the EO heel character, I can see how, yeah, sure, uh, sexy hot Japanese baby face. I, I'm for that. The Whatever EO is, it, it's awesome, and she's a great wrestler. Her character is even more defined now, and she's she's awesome. And But Candice more than held her own in that match at TakeOver. Definitely. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to be an asshole about this. I just I vehemently disagree with you know. We're calling I, I think, these fuckers out because we have a podcast. If they want to respond to us, get your own podcast. No, I just think it's like it takes a lot for me to say somebody carried someone because it's like that's really harsh criticism. You have to do something. You have to be really really bad for me to break out. So and so carried wrestler B. You know. And just, I, I never felt that at all during that match. I just, I was engaged in that match, and I was, like, it was like 11, 12 minutes in, and I was just like, holy shit, this is, like, so fucking great. And it just got better to the end, so yeah, I, I loved it, and um, again, both women deserve a bunch of credit. So, the last thing I want to talk about, Jeremy, and this isn't a, a bad take or anything, this is a question I've seen bantered around. Is Tomohiro Ishii a Hall of Fame wrestler? Um, I mean, New J- WWE Hall of Fame? Sure. They put anybody <laughs> in. Uh, what? If you, I guess this depends If you on, were running a Hall of Fame on wrestling, would you put him in your Hall of Fame? My Hall of Fame is very, like strict so but my hall of fame is also flexible you don't want me running a hall of fame like i'd I'd have a wing i'd have a wing for ishii i'll I'll say that like would he be i I do the dan patrick thing i guess where you know there's different levels to to being a hall of famer so yes he he would be in the hall of fame would he be in the at the penthouse level no but he would be there based on one, I just really like him. Two, his character work is strong. Three, longevity. Four, the guy, like his match quality is up there with just about anybody on top of that longevity. So, yeah, he would be in my Hall of Fame. He'd probably be in, I would say, the third tier. Yeah, I think he's... Um, the thing that hurts him is an overall... Hang on. I think I'm going to sneeze. <clears throat> and I did. So anyway, um, Bless you. yeah, I kind of agree with you on the the uh, Dan Patrick strategy to the Hall of Fame for this. It's like Tomohiro Ishii is probably the best big match wrestler of the past six to seven years. Uh, nobody consistently delivers in his matches like him. Yeah, you can Okada has a string of great title defenses, great matches. Tanahashi did the same thing. But Ishii, like, you look at this G1 run again. He's 42 turning 43, delivering the best matches of a tournament. And not only is he just 
he's a he's a hard hitting wrestler. He can be a beast, but he can also be a sympathetic babyface and sell. He can do so much. So like, if I had a Hall of Fame, I would have like a Workers Hall of Fame because the thing that's gonna hurt Ishii is that like, just throughout his career, he was he was never a draw. There weren't people that were paying to see him, and he wasn't a big main event guy. But if you're talking just pure wrestlers in the last 10 years, delivering great matches, that is a dude right there that has to be included. Yeah, I, I'm with you um, as far as – like that would be the wing I would put him in. And the the fact that he wasn't a draw – like when you think of Ishii, you don't think of this main event kind of player. He's never been presented – in that way, you know, in New Japan, it's uh, Tanahashi, uh, Nakamura, Okada. It was even Shibata and, and, and Naito. Like Ishii was always a rung below those guys, even if his his work was above, uh, maybe not above those guys, but on par with those guys. And I mean, you called him the the best big match worker in uh, the last six or seven years. Uh, Omega would be there as well as far as like guys who were presented as top draws and, and were top draws for new Japan. So be that does hold him back. And that's why like, if I was doing like tiers and stuff, he would probably be, I may even move him to second. Cause I guess I would have to define my tiers. Um, and, and that second tier would probably be like really good workers who were a draw on like some level, but were never like tip top draws. So I, I'm thinking of guys like, Maybe like a Samoa Joe would maybe be in my second tier because Joe, great worker, didn't really draw at the the WWE level because it was too little too late, but still drew in like NXT, obviously drew big time in ROH, um, and, and even drew to a, to an extent with TNA. Like some, I, I kind of put Ishii almost on a level with a Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe would probably be in like a, a second tier for me, so... That, that's where I'm putting Ishii. So is he in my, my tiered Hall of Fame or my winged Hall of Fame? Yes, he is. Yeah, and I think that's a fair way to do it because, like, you know, just, like, overall, it's like you, you have to look at the fact, like, he was never a big-time world champion. He wasn't a draw for a company. And that's, you know, when you're looking at all-time Hall of Famers, like, you know, you look at Tanahashi right away. That's a yes because Tanahashi was – not only a great worker and delivered tons of great matches, multiple-time world champion and G1 winner, but he was also a major part for the renaissance and turnaround of New Japan Pro Wrestling and growing into what it's become today. So that's like his big case theory right there to get him in. So, But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting case, and I bring that up because there's been a lot of discussion because apparently he's going to be on the Observer ballot this year, and there's been a lot of discussion on is he good enough to get in just based off of being such a great worker? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I just thought it would be a fun conversation, especially because we both love Big Tom. It really depends on just what you value. Because if you do value like box office and whatnot, then Ishii's probably not in your Hall of Fame. But... You know, Ishii's a better overall worker throughout his career than, say, like Hulk Hogan, but no one is going to put like Ishii on the same level as Hulk Hogan because Hogan is the, the biggest box office draw of all time. This is the thing with wrestling compared to other sports is other sports, you're not looking so much as um, – you're not looking so much at like a box office draw. Like no one cares if Barry Bonds 
sold out arenas or, or Kobe Bryant sold out arenas, even though they did, they're looking at how many home runs they hit, how many points they scored and, and, and whatnot. And that's why you have like middle tier guys, maybe getting into a basketball or MLB hall of fame. Cause their numbers are so strong, even though they were never looked at as like a star. And I think that's where, that's why Ishii does get included is because his, his match ratings are, are so good. And, and just his work rate is, is so good that even if he wasn't a star, like if he was a baseball player, his numbers would probably be pretty damn good. He'd probably be like a, a 275 hitter with like, I don't know, 2000 RBIs or something. I baseball numbers aren't my thing, but his, his numbers would probably be good enough to, to be in the hall of fame, even though he was never on a championship level team or he wasn't like the, this big star. He was never the, let's say, the uh, a box office draw or, or uh, like the best player during his his era, I guess. So, but he'd still be in the Hall of Fame. Fair enough. Yeah, it's um like I said, I just I think it's an interesting discussion, and again, it depends on how you're gonna how you're going to do your um Hall of Fame and everything. And I I, I, I kind of like the tiered idea. I always like when Dan talks about that, and it makes a lot of sense because. There are just a lot of um, there's just a lot of variables like we brought up, you know, and like I think that like in wrestling, I think you can reward great workers, you know, and just I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as as an overall Hall of Famer, it's just it's not the same. It's a lot of different things to take into consideration. But again, an interesting discussion, and I just think yeah, Ishii is great, and I just. I really hope people like like Tanahashi. I hope people cherish this man, why he's around because he's about to, he's either forty three or about to be forty three. And you wouldn't you wouldn't want me to do a tiered Hall of Fame because I I just have everybody in anyway. God damn it, you loser! <laughs> no. Except for Tai Chi. Tai Chi would just be the one person who would. Tai Chi like, and Fally sitting on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else would be in my Hall of Fame. Doink the Clown would be there in like the gimmick section with, with Coco Beware and, and whatnot and TL Hopper and the Goon, like they'd all have their own wing uh in the in the cool failed gimmicks section. But Tai Chi and Fale would just still be on the outside. Yeah, but it's a that's a fun discussion. Going back to you kinda uh, jokingly mentioned Hulk Hogan as a worker. In one way you can uh, argue that Hulk Hogan was the greatest <laughs> worker in the history of wrestling because of doing the doing getting the most out of doing the least and all the creative control shit later on. I mean, my man worked the business hard. Yeah, him, Nash, and Jarrett are certainly tier one Hall of Famers if you're gonna consider that uh, like working and work rate and stuff. So I, I completely agree. That's why it's another like wing. I, Kevin Nash would just have a Nash and Jarrett would just have like their own wing of I don't even know what you would call it, but just the smartest men in wrestling wing, and it would just be them too. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so that will kind of wrap us up tonight, Jeremy. That was our our look at King of the Ring and the uh, the Super J Cup coming up. A lot of good stuff coming up still in August. It's a loaded month. Because we got, we still have uh, NXT UK Takeover Cardiff. We have All Out. We have Royal Quest, and just a, a lot of stuff going on. And all that's within a twelve-hour period of each other. Exactly. So uh, that'll kind of wrap us up for the four one one on wrestling. Remember, uh, excuse me. Remember, you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the four one one mania dot com website. 
Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. And if you have a chance, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Jeremy, anything in closing, anything you need to plug before we go? Follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Lambert 88 and follow Larry on Twitter at Larry Zonka 411. Got to get these Twitter plugs in there, Larry. That's right. We've got to get the social media out there. So, uh, yes, good time, Jeremy. Thank you as always. Yep. I'll be back whenever we're talking wrestling again. All righty.